isn't Shabbat only reserved for celebrations like what we have today? Robert Rimberg coming to read Torah, all aliyot, our generous three aliyot. Isn't Shabbat only for mystic encounters? Try as, I hard, as, as hard as I could to look at Shemot, the beginning of the book of Exodus. I really tried. First section of the first Aliyah, stars, right? That, um, that are Mephoshim, that our sages saw in the counting of the names, the naming, the names of the sons, the children of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each coming with his household. His names, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. That these names were stars. Right? That God counted these names as stars. So that section was good. Then I looked at the next section. Oy, vavoy. Systemic oppression. Right? Here you have a new king arising in Egypt who did not know Yosef. And our sages parse this as not knowing and suppressing knowledge, perhaps. Then I kept looking, oi, another one, civil disobedience, right? And the midwives. So I said to myself, self, sit with it. Like today, we have our smachot, we have celebrations, and also in the national, in the national front, we are in the week that we know as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Week. We know there are women's marches happening all over the country. We know there's th there are thousands of issues. We know anti-Semitism is real. Not like when I tried to table that during a sem senior seminar when I was in seminary and I was told I was accused as fomenting dissent, as stirring trouble. Because we were trying to talk about anti-Semitism. We were about to be released into the world as new rabbis. And we had not had a proper class, a proper mm, engagement with anti-Semitism. And I said, no, what's going on? I am Asian, but I live the Holocaust in my family. My father-in-law is a kinder transport survivor. So we live it. We just go ahead with our lives, and it's real. And I brought it up in seminary, and I, I, they said, no, we want to be defined by nuance, said my friends. Nuance? What's my nuance? When I close my eyes, when I sing, when I dance, there's nuance. When I make poetry, there's nuance. But life is not so much about nuance sometimes. So, are you with me, stars? 
systemic oppression, and disobedience. Let's dial it down. So I thought, okay, I'm going to dial it down. I'm going to look at the names, and I'm going to look about a verb that keeps recurring, which is to know. Your dalet ayin. So names. What is in the name? So excuse me if I just have to, you know, the next. That which we call a, by any other, would smell as? This implies that in this couple, Romeo and Juliet, that the beloved's name had nothing to do with love, had nothing to do with the capacity of two people to love. But in many ways, their names were destiny. So in our parasha, these are the names of the sons of Israel, the children of Israel. The names were given clearly and crisply. crisply. But now we have a leader who doesn't know a name, doesn't know, has forgotten about Yosef. Your name is important to you, so is mine. I don't like to be called Rabbi Myra. Yosef needs to be known. But here we go. The rabbis say that whenever you have a, a, a verb that comes or any word that recurs, it makes your ears wiggle. No, they didn't say that. My ears wiggle. By, by its very nature, whenever you have repetition, there's an importance and it demands from the reader greater scrutiny. So we have a new character who does not know the existence of another leader, but this new character, this new pharaoh, knows that there is a multitude outside and it's increasing by the day, day by day. And if there was spoken word at that time, maybe it would have sounded like this. They have reason to worry because multiply, they did. Multiplied and they were the other. Some ate with fingers, some dined with fine crystal. Many labored in the fields in hot sun, their cheeks burning, rough, roasted, warm coffee, desert mocha, midnight, blue, black. Some partnered, some married, some separated, some living who knows how. I'm sure they had 36 under 36 awesome, you know, leaders amongst them. I'm sure they were left, center, right. I'm sure there were those in the pews. I'm sure they had their own pew report. But they were forever ivrit, forever wrestling honestly, still proud to be ivrit. In that multitude that scared the leaders, there was power. There was power in multiplying, and there was power in the fear that they generated. There was also power when the leaders pressed on the weak, and when they ordered newborn males amongst Ivri to be killed. In the fear-mongering and in the murmuring, one was to be scooped up from the bulrushes by a pharaoh's daughter 
to be saved. And that will be the leader of our redemption song. But still we have this. What is not knowing and what is in a name? Three things about not naming and three things about not knowing. First, our sages did not agree whether in fact a new king had come to the throne. Some believed yes, and some believed it was the same king. But about this Yosef, it was all a blur. Perhaps this new leader ish actually did issue decrees against the Hebrew people, but how is it possible that a new or an old king could not know Yosef, given his fame? Another problem with not knowing and not naming. Could it be that in this not knowing, the story here is telling us that the Pharaoh, that Pharaoh did not acknowledge the work of Yosef, of this leader? It doesn't matter whether we are discussing a new or an old king. The important issue is that the knowing, your dalet ayin, takes on a deeper meaning here. You can know a piece of art, they say when you look at the positive space. But sometimes you have to step back to look at the negative space to see the whole picture. On stage, we talk about peripheral vision. My grandmother said she had eyes behind her head. Third, this thing about not naming and not knowing. It will be stated later in our, in our book that Pharaoh actually said, I don't know your God. I don't know the God of the Hebrews. I don't know the, go the God of Yosef. And because of that, for that one moment of not knowing and not naming or being too busy, he allowed the Hebrews to leave. What he is really saying here is that he does not acknowledge the Lord of the Hebrews. He's not listening. I don't want to know. This weekend, we have so much that we have to just hold. Martin Luther King, the Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King, when we hear that name, what do we think? What do we hear in our heads? I hear yay. I hear freedom. I hear struggle. I hear dream. I hear equality. I hear I hear courage, justice. Marching, building coalitions, marching, building a people, naming problems, right? Not not knowing, naming problems. Goading a whole nation to name a problem that affects everybody. It is not just, it was not just, and will, all, will always be not just the problem of black Americans. What is in the name of, Robert, of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King for us Jews? For me, it's, it's Abraham Joshua Heschel. My first rabbi studied with Abraham Joshua Heschel. So from the very first day of being in Jewish spaces, I just heard Heschel's name. So when I was in seminary, I used to sneak up to the sixth floor. And on the sixth floor, 
there would be these, there were these photos on black and white, and there were these photos of, of Abraham Joshua Heschel in a classroom, but sitting around a table. I used to go there pretend sometimes that I was there to see some teacher. <laughs> just kind of hang out, but just kind of hang out, go from one photo to another, and say, oh, yeah, I'm here to, to see Dr. Fishbane. Oh, I'm waiting for my, my, my class on Talbot. There were no classrooms up there. And I used to wonder, this man crossed the street from the corner of 122nd Street, crossed Broadway to the Union Theological Seminary, and there started friendships. I'm sure there were no brokers. He went on his own. These friendships that eventually would be carved in our mind, in the Jewish mind of Jewish partnership with the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Every time I took the 104, every time I took a class at Union Theological Seminary, I saw that. So to name this teaching is to name how we are connected to this American phenomenon, for this American problem to this American dilemma. And in these days, we heard Rabbi David speak eloquently and boldly yesterday. And it is true. Whatever you say, whatever will be your particular spiel, to quote Dr. King, a time comes when silence is betrayal. He said these words regarding Vietnam, but the truth of these words is beyond doubt the mission that they call the most difficult one. Some of us, he says, have begun to break the silence of the night. And our only hope today lies in our ability to recapture a revolutionary spirit and to go out sometimes in a hostile world declaring eternal hostility to three. Another three. Poverty, racism, and militarism. I would say poverty, racism, anti-Semitism, anti-immigration, anti-immigrants, and militarism. And he continues, we can no longer afford to worship the God of hate or bow before the altar of retaliation. The oceans of history are made turbulent by the ever-rising, ever-rising tides of hate. Did you believe where we are now? Could you believe where we are now? So he invites us, let us begin. Let us rededicate, rededicate ourselves to the long and bitter but beautiful struggle for a new world. So if you find yourselves still dreaming that you are the kind of person who can bring light into another, to be like the stars that are the names of our ancestors. This first aliyah is for you. If you have difficulty in acknowledging that you don't really know what to do with the knowledge that you have, 
this aliyah is for you. And if, I'm inviting you now, you can start coming, because we want to get to the Torah reading. If you have courage, but every time you are supposed to take a step, you still quake in fear, come forward.